Shantae, welcome to the Shantae Golson Show. We have today Roman Prokopchuk here with us today. And his company is a digital marketing company named uh, Zora, excuse me, Nova Zora Digital. Uh, and so welcome to the Shantae Golson Show where we talk to entrepreneurs and uh, executives helping them with their mental health, mental wellness, productivity, performance, and the list goes on and on. Welcome, Roman. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad that you're here to tell us about the Digital Savage Experience. So that's the name of your podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. Yep. The podcast I started, it will be three years in December. I switched over to a interview format, actually, March of 2019. I think a reason I did that uh, February of 2019, my grandfather passed away. That was a big role model in my life. Yeah. And I think I switched over for one reason. It helped me cope and in the grieving process of that. And in those conversations, I started learning about people, their struggles, you know, their losses, mm -hmm. things that they've experienced. And I think that helped me he heal. And then the format got adapted really well by my audience. And since mm -hmm. then, I've interviewed about 180 people, all walks of life, about kind of their journeys, their motivations, things they've had to overcome and kind of learning from them and picking their brain to help other people. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like in your grieving process, the podcast really helped you to turn your focus around from the sadness that could sit in to putting it and have some legs on it for your journey to be able to help others. So I think that's very great. You are a first generation immigrant from uh, Ukraine and your agency founder, podcast host and foster parent. So I bet being a foster parent is, is somewhat tedious as an entrepreneur, would you say? Yes, but I think uh, when things are important to you, you find time for it. I mean, you can obviously take things out and get things done. So I personally go to bed at like two in the morning, not always two to three, but when I have to do something or work on a project or proposal. But I think since this whole COVID thing and everything in terms of the you know global standpoint, we've had four foster kids under the age of six, four boys, and everything really kind of revolved around their nap time and mm -hmm. uh, bedtime, including interviews, including conference calls. So I think you find time and you manage, and it's important, at least in my uh, you know, experience, my wife has been instrumental in that, my partner in it. So if I didn't have my wife to help helping me, which I think she mm -hmm. does majority of kind of taking them places to different appointments and stuff like that, I wouldn't really be able to do so. And since June of 2018, we've had 20 kids in our home. Mm. Yeah, I think partnership is uh, a beautiful thing, rather personally or professional. We have a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, C-level executives, and partnership is the key. And effective communication within the partnership is an even greater key. So let's kind of talk about this self-talk digital marketing man that somehow popped out of the recession had in 2008. Let's talk about how you became uh, Roman, the digital marker. Sure. Yeah, I went to Rutgers University for criminal justice. The semester before I graduated, I had a internship with the Secret Service on the counter counterfeit currency squad. Mm -hmm. So I held a top secret federal clearance. I graduated. And then that's when the recession hit. State, local, federal agencies froze hiring. I was applying for months and months. I was down, kind of depressed. Only thing that really kept me sane is going to the gym 
being active. And I met someone in the gym when they basically said, you know, I see your work ethic. I see you're passionate. So, you know, my business has this need. So come out to my car after your workout. I want to give you something, which obviously that conversation could have went different ways, different, you know, circumstances. But I went out after my workout and they handed me a about a 50 page packet from their trunk about search engine optimization. So they said, read this, go online, take another month or two get somewhat acclimated without the to- about the topic and you can do this for my company. And that's how I kind of got into it out of necessity, ran with it, held several director roles, worked with fortune clients, about uh, 600 clients at this point over my years, managed teams uh, up to 20 people and founded my agency in 2012 as well. Okay, and so since 2012, uh, I imagine that you've gone through some challenges, some triumphs, some resiliency, some burnout, uh, and the the list goes on and on. Let's kind of talk about the the facet of 2012, building your own company and going through mental health concerns, depression. Uh, So tell tell the audience a little bit about that story and how you've overcome. Yeah, so I guess in 2012, I worked at a, uh, a company where there were a lot of the, the digital marketing team was big. So a lot of people from there left to go to other agencies, get senior roles, uh, freelance, start their own agencies. And at that point, I was kind of like, they're doing it. You know, I'm smart. I have results. You know, my clients value me. Why not do it for myself and kind of obviously cut out the middleman because, you know, you're getting a salary from them, but they're getting millions of dollars in terms of the portfolio I manage. Yeah. So I did that. And then a lot of the initial kind of clients and work came from referrals from people that I worked with, knowing my experience. And then obviously that scaled. But it's kind of like that initial uh, growing pains. You deal with that. You experience and have to handle things that may stress you out that aren't really accustomed to what your, you know, your skill set is. So yeah. doing uh, taxes, forming, you know, business incorporations, uh, different legal documents, dealing with attorneys, things of that nature, paying people out, how they should be paid, different documents like that. So all of that, if it's not kind of organized and managed, gets a little chaotic. And then you run into you kind of stumbling blocks like everybody will, like you'll get screwed over at some point. People yeah. betray your your trust. You have an employee or you have somebody that freelances that, you know, takes money and then just disappears or doesn't do what they're supposed to, possibly messes up a client relationship. So I think that's all part of kind of the growing process and then how you really deal with it because it does get very overwhelming, especially for solopreneurs or people starting off with, you know, one to five people within their company or the business, because the brunt of that success or failure rests on their shoulders. And oftentimes they put a lot of stuff on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And how did you uh, find yourself? So in the declutter uh, process or rather prior to the declutter process, where were you emotionally and how did that impact your profitability, your cash flow, uh, keeping up with your receivables? The list goes on and on. How did that depression really affect your business? It did to a certain extent, but I think getting a mindset where like all these people are depending on you um, and you're important in terms of like you have to 
have clarity, you have to stay focused. And I think everybody will fall to a certain extent, but what they learn from that experience and how fast they get up is what defines them. And I think even today, you know, I get upset, I get sad through the experience and the grief and the things that I've, you know, seen in my life that comes back once in a while in terms of memory. And it's hard harnessing it for something positive. So even when my grandfather passed, uh, successfully in terms of the business, things were going great, but it's one of those things, not everything is going to be aligned 100% of the time. When your business is awesome, something may happen in your personal life that will yeah. kind of put a wrench in that or vice versa. So yeah. that year, there's a lot of stuff that happened in terms of my grandfather and other things where I could have just gave up and, you know, let me put, put this on a back burner or take my mm-hmm. foot off the pedal. But it was one of those things where I thought about my grandfather and the people that came before him in terms of my ancestors, bringing me to this country, what we've experienced under the Soviet Union. And I owe it to them because I have the opportunity to succeed and really do something in this economy and really give back to others because I try as much as possible to be a heart-led entrepreneur. So anyone that needs help, I help people in terms of free consultations and help like that because I hate seeing people get screwed over from like predatory people that come along in terms of, you know, give us $20,000, we'll do this for you. And it's just kind of an empty promise. So I try to give back, train other people, coach other people up nine times out of 10, no compensation received for it. And just try to make those around me kind of bring them up as well. Mm-hmm. And I think having an open heart is very important, uh, but also understanding how to balance that open heart, because at the end of the day, you have to have cash flow to take care of your family and et cetera, your responsibilities. So when it, within that, you are basically stating the resilience component of you um, really expired or came out of the concept of what your ancestors did and how you need to take this opportunity to appreciate them and move forward, even in those moments of sadness. Is that what I understand? Yep, that it wouldn't be fair to them. And knowing before my grandfather passed, he was proud of what I did in terms of my business, because he often said, because he worked hard, he retired there, he came to America and still worked another 20 years because he needed to in terms of construction, roofing into yeah. the 70s. So he, he, he thought it was like, awe-inspiring that I can be anywhere in the world on, you know, with the internet connection because I do digital marketing and I have clients paying me money. He thought that was like so cool and and proud of me because of that. He was proud of my wife and I for, you know, being foster parents. So like that touched me and like that grief could have overtaken me. And oftentimes that happens with other things, but I let that kind of, you know, stay with me and, and drive me forward. Mm-hmm. What were what were some of the things that you had to really teach yourself? I know you you didn't you know he gave you a pack at the guy from the gym. Come on out, okay. I don't know what you want, but I'm coming. Got the packet, learned. You know what digital marketing? Everybody wants to a little piece of that right now, right? Because the freedom, the time, uh, the ability to make more money than they had or can from a regular. Uh, nine to five. So what were some of the things that you really had to recondition yourself in order to make this a serious business? 
Well, I mean, I had to learn everything. So from that packet, obviously that additional drive and knowledge out of necessity came my core is search engine optimization, but digital marketing involves a whole ecosystem of things. Yeah. So I saw the internet was growing and the importance of other things for marketing to companies online. So I started learning, you know, different strategies for social media, both organic and paid paid search, digital analytics, content strategy, and just try to be as much well-rounded as possible because mm -hmm. I believe in terms of an online strategy, you need to be kind of omni-channel and uh, have a multi-touch basically campaign because like now there's talks about TikTok getting uh, banned in the US. Oh, really? So there, there's a lot of people depending their whole business strategy and who they are as a brand on TikTok because they moved everything over. So I basically say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, target your audience where they are, but have your website as your core kind of driving agent and funnel traffic to your website from all these channels. Okay. All right. So from you understanding digital marketing, you're saying this is something you should have to practice. You have to be consistent with, you got to learn strategy. So what, what other growth mechanisms did you, uh, acquire in order to still be strong in this ever-changing social media world? Yeah, I think you have to be curious and you have to understand that you're in an industry that's ever-changing. So you constantly have to keep learning, constantly have to keep uh, learning, testing, uh, making connections, networking with people, because there are other people you can bring into projects that are experts in that and you can learn from them. So mm -hmm. if you're kind of stagnant, that I ran into people that may have a strategy or technique that they base their whole business on, they've been doing it for 10 years and haven't changed, you're gonna eventually phase out because the in internet can change you know, daily, monthly, yearly in terms of updates to search engines, in terms of algorithms, new social media platforms, different other strategies, ways to reach your audience and all that as it comes out, you have to constantly keep incorporating. So learning and being curious I think is a key. And if you don't like being stagnant in your career, it's definitely kind of the career for you. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that my audience, uh, I finished looking at Facebook and some people generated some questions for me in terms of a lot of, a lot of times cash flow is the issue. Um, and cash flow not only just deals with the ability to get cash, but it also deals with the ability to keep it and to have other customers walking in as people are paying you kind of you know kind of the in and the out so kind of share your words of wisdom regarding cash flow and marketing to the capacity that you are receiving clients uh consistently to maintain your cash flow yeah i mean to begin with you're not going to have a marketing budget so you have to kind of uh, bootstrap and see what's important to you you can utilize things like interns, a lot of schools around the area where you are, you know, uh, public universities, county colleges offer programs for credit. So if you get on that kind of list of companies that will give credit for whatever service, mm -hmm. you can have somebody put in, you know, 20, 30, even 40 hours of work for you for a semester, really give them experience, but let them give you something of value. So utilize resources 
in terms of value, sometimes when I first started as well, I would be bartering. So if I needed uh, an attorney for copyrights or anything in terms of my business, I would maybe give them maybe you know two three thousand dollars worth of marketing services of my time, and in exchange, I would get those services for my business that I would have to pay out of pocket. So there's different ways and transactions you can do that, and really figure out what what's going to go the longest way. I mean, ideally, my personal belief is it's still 2020. There's people out there that don't have a website. Your website is kind of the core pillar and it really doesn't take much to throw up, you know, it doesn't have to be the best. It just has to be some kind of digital presence until Mm -hmm. you get something going so people can at least find you online. And if you're a local business, local search is very important. So it doesn't really take that much to claim your Google local listing, optimize it really, ask customers for reviews, that kind of thing. And as you mentioned, I think when you first start, you have to get money in. So you probably, if, if you're a services business, you may have clients that kind of suck up your time that aren't the right clients that are toxic, but you have yeah. to keep the, the lights on. And then the ideal situation is, is scale those out. And if you can, you have the power to get rid of them as a client mm-hmm. to then align everyone that you know, makes sense in terms of a, a goals and values perspective. So what would be your approach to scaling them out? Well, oftentimes toxic clients either want things outside of their contract, maybe in terms of what they do in their business or how they treat their employees is starting to be publicly known. And with the internet, everything kind of comes out. So in a nice way, you know, saying, hey, after our contract is over, our, you know, morals and our company directions and our company values don't necessarily align. You might want to find somebody that aligns with it more Mm -hmm. and kind of still, I wouldn't say cut it all together. I think it's important in business and relationships, if you can at all possible, leave on good terms because you don't know necessarily like what that will will be like in the future so somebody that may be a bad uh, leader or a bad operator run runs their company into the ground maybe they come to some kind of realization and actually change so when they change and actually maybe that company prospers maybe that relationship could be salvaged in the future but really leaving on good terms and really kind of respecting how you're positioning your messaging, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people, a lot, especially small business owners who are new, they are so afraid to uh, optimize. That word is coming to me because you're a marketer. But they, they are so afraid of identifying what their business will look like. And it's because they're, they get desperate. Uh, I think that that is a default that can lead to a ne- negative railroad uh, simply because they never go back and adjust it. So if they are, and then and they're not niched down, nor are they uh, specific to what type of clientele versus what not, because it's so important to have that not list clear in your mind, just as it is that yes uh, client list. What what do you say to that? I say uh, basically be true to yourself before you start your business, write down kind of your core values, who, who you are as a person and that what you want your business to kind of emulate in the market, because that's, Mm -hmm. you know, your business is a direct uh, reflection of you and then vice versa because everything is so public nowadays. And I think that will be kind of your guiding compass into the future that, I mean, I've had experiences where I've turned down 
a considerable amount of money where I knew that the people weren't good people in their personal lives or did things that were unethical. And yeah, it cost me money, but it kept my reputation. And that's really, you know, shown and people have seen that and that led to actually more business turning easy money down, like in the future may get you a lot more exponential growth in terms of the right clients and people see who you are as a person. So your values are just effective no, excuse me, they're, they are effective in your personal life just as well as in your uh, business is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, your business has to, I mean, it should. I mean, there's businesses out there that it doesn't, but you should have a core list of values when you first found your business. I mean, it mm -hmm. could reflect who you are. It could reflect who you want that, or what you want that business to become or what you have in that business in terms of what you're envisioning but you should have something or some kind of pillar that when things come along, you can always reflect that. And does it align with this? Yes or no. And then if the answer is no, you know, you could possibly have the discussion in terms of, you know, what are you guys doing? I mean, I've saw something on social media. This is how you treat, treated your employees. Did you address this? Do you have some new policy? And maybe the answer is yes, we've, you know, rolled these things out, but the answer is no. And they're still not the right people, then most likely they're not. I mean, when you start a business, it's hard to turn that money down. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you take them, like I said, as a client to pay the bills and then eventually maybe they'll change for the better, maybe not. But hopefully when your business does scale, your ability to attract the people that align 100% is that much easier. What type of internal characteristic is needed to maintain a digital marketing business where you have so much freedom? I think focus and I think just grit. Um, you deal with a lot of people. Like I said, the climate is ever changing and you have to be able, uh, I mean, my business setup is remote. For the last five years, I've been remote. Team, teams have been remote. Obviously, it, it comes into play that I'm more accustomed and more set for this global thing we're dealing with now, yeah. but you know, it eliminates overhead. I mean, a lot of the time, unless you need to have clients come in, but even going to clients, you know, renting out uh, conference rooms, things of that nature. I mean, the business structure has benefited me. Um, but like I said, you need to have grit. You need to shake th uh, uh, things off. Mm -hmm. I think as in a lot of businesses and service businesses, you're going to get no's. You're going to get a lot of clients that are just, I don't know, like I said, some toxic, some just go on rants. So you have to have emotional em empathy. And I think through the years, the way I've dealt with things have has resulted in business relationships being closer because going through all those experiences, I think, developed your emotional IQ. And that soft skill is very, very important. And it's really hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And having resilience uh, and emotional impacts are very important. Like you said, customers can call, they can clown, they can email left and right, they can change directions, they can change requirements. And you say, hey, ABCD, this is what they don't care. So having emotional intelligence is very important. And understanding what I understand from you is your end game is ensuring that your company's and your personal reputation is not tainted. That's what I hear from you. Yeah, I actually put up a, a quote I saw on, on uh, LinkedIn today. It was like four things that you can't back and, and you can't get back somebody's trust. So when you betray somebody's trust, it's ruined for, forever. Even though you may still trust somebody to a certain level, you're never going to reach that kind of like pure level of trust where like it's unfa like unyielding uh, or like, 
100% you can depend on the person. When you break somebody's trust in terms of business or personal, like they may forgive you, but mm-hmm. that's always going to be in the back of their mind. And with the internet in terms of your reputation, both personal and professional, that's one of those things, regardless if you make amends, it will still kind of linger. Because usually when somebody looks somebody up to do business, they'll Google their name, they'll Google the company. And usually, you know, if something happens, it, it's, you know, in the top, I would say, three, four, five, six pages that you can find something about that negative, you know, thing that happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. You know, your business reputation and your name is relevant to cash flow because customers will choose to consult with you or choose not to. And it is so quick for them to say no. That's why you've got to make a name that will make them say yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh share with me a couple of things further and we'll go ahead and wrap up i do appreciate your patience and your time so if there was a statement or something of inspiration that you can tell or talk to us about what would that inspiration be and then i'll ask you for all of your social medias how can we link up with you it's funny I kind of like uh, hover from quote to quote like certain parts of my life or like a daily quote a monthly quote I think what's been with this whole pandemic and everything economy wise globally I think that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth so you may be so prepared to launch a business to scale a business it's never going to go the way that you want it to go and being able to be nimble and pivot as fast as, fast as possible mm-hmm. and really not to be down or kind of like look down like, you know, why me? And, and basically look at other people, maybe they're more successful at, at the same part that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Really kind of evaluate and really pivot, learn from that negative experience or that failure and either adjust your business or pivot into something possibly that may become even greater. But like nothing goes the way you expect it to in life and in business. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would, I would add to that, kick out of your cage. Get out of your regular, normal, mundane uh, place because like I always say to the many people that I service, it's so real to be comfortable in, within your discomfort and you're holding back your purpose. So live on purpose, kick kick that gate down and do what you feel like that you can do that will provide tangible results to people. So where can we uh, meet you next, Roman? What are your social medias? Yeah, if you look at uh, Roman Prokopchuk, I'm pretty much literally on every platform. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and everything in between. Okay, so go, so glad to have you folks go out and support uh, Roman. Uh, and I am so grateful that you are here and you've taken out the time, especially all of the things that you have to do throughout the day. So I heard a storm is coming, so we need to make sure we get off here so you can be readily prepared for the storm. So I wish you well talking to my audience. Make sure that you go out and live the best life you can live. And so until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks so much.